Hello, what have we here? Welcome to Lando's Lounge. I'm your host, Landon. And I am the regrettable co-host, Carson. (laughs) So, you have joined another Star Wars podcast. Or maybe this is your first Star Wars podcast. It's actually mine. (laughs) I, yeah, I listen to a few Star Wars podcasts, Mm -hmm. but this is my first podcast that I've ever done. And this is the second podcast (laughs) I've ever done, so we balance each other out quite nicely. Yes, well, hopefully... Um, if you have listened to podcasts before, you'll, uh, care to stick around with this one. Um, and if you haven't, well then, welcome to the, this new world that you've discovered. Yes, welcome to the world of Lando's Lounge. So, Lando's Lounge, uh, is a Star Wars podcast. Uh, we just want to talk about Star Wars because we love it and brings people together for the most part uh not really recently but (laughs) the older stuff the older stuff (laughs) tends to bring people together and we're hoping that we can uh you know share our love of the old stuff the new stuff the middle stuff uh we just love star wars in general and hopefully you do too i mean yeah uh it's such a divisive time to be a star wars fan you know just finishing off the sequel trilogy some people hate it some people love it i we're it's really just about finding um everyone loves star wars right so everyone can find all the star wars fans can find some middle ground and just connect over the things we all do love and we can have respectful kind of discourse about things we don't necessarily enjoy it doesn't have to be negative yeah star wars is a huge universe that covers Uh, Films, television, video games, comic books, novels. uh, There's probably card games or board (laughs) games. There's something out there for everyone to latch onto, something for everyone to love. And you don't have to love all of it. I think that's the Mm -hmm. beauty of Star Wars. You don't have to love everything. There's something that you can find. If you're not a fan of the television shows, then you can stick with the movies. Or if you're Mm -hmm. not big into reading watch a show or something Mm. there's enough out there um for everyone to find their specific flavor of star wars that's their favorite um but we hope to kind of uh kind of converse about Mm -hmm. all the aspects of it i'm uh getting really into the books recently i've read a few comic books recently um of course the movies and the television shows we both love those I don't know how much you read the books or anything uh, like that. I, I'm not very much. Uh, the extent of the books I've read are just like old. I don't even know if they're necessarily like the junior canon. novels that have yeah, like, like the... there's like a Boba Fett series. Oh yeah, I like, don't even like the kid series yeah, that we like, had. When it was we were it was kids. a while ago. I'm open to the idea of reading. I probably will, but. Yeah, I'm I've... reading other stuff right now that's not Star Wars, and yeah, I know, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, great start to <laughs> I a read Star other Wars stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also one of the goals of this um, experience, I guess, is, uh, you know, Landon and I, we're brothers, so we we find a lot of common ground. We 
share a lot of the same opinions. We'd love to connect, hopefully, to connect with other people listening to this and get some insight into your opinions, you know, your experiences with Star Wars, how you think, uh, not so just one-sided, I guess, trying to get new perspectives. Mm-hmm, yeah, and maybe if you're listening to this and you aren't as big into Star Wars, hopefully we can kind of share some of our knowledge that we've gained over the years obsessing uh, to you, and hopefully maybe you can learn something along the way mm-hmm. as, as along with us. Um, but again, we do want to be positive. We don't want to come on here and kind of like trash talk Disney or uh, specific people that uh, often are maligned on the mm-hmm. internet by some of the more uh, aggressive <laughs> fans. We want to kind of uh, be a place where um, everything can be loved and uh, even if there is something that we don't like, like, believe me, I have plenty of criticisms <laughs> for the movies and things, um, but we're going to try to do that stuff in a respectful way. We don't want to, like, call names and put blame on people that blame doesn't necessarily uh, belong, like, shed on, I guess. We don't yeah. We don't want to <laughs> crap on people yeah. <laughs> for no reason. And also... Um, we we just want to come out and say right out of the gates that by no means do we consider ourselves to be you know the Star Wars scholars you know Experts. there's a, there's a lot we don't know and uh, from time to time we may speak uh, not purposely of course we may not we might get something wrong we may speak infactually we and... may we <laughs> might slip up but yeah. our goal is to be as accurate as possible. Um, and hopefully we won't talk too much about stuff yeah. that we aren't 100% um, yeah. certain that we know what we're talking about. Um, which leads us into the stuff that we do know, which is ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we're going to tell you a little bit about us, about our Star Wars lives. Um, we can talk about our favorite characters, our favorite like piece of Star Wars, like our favorite movie or show or book. Um, and then maybe our favorite or our first, like, Star Wars memory. Um, no, I have, like, I have a good one for that. All right. Um, I, I, I can start on favorite character. We can go back and forth. I'll yeah, do favorite okay. character. You do favorite. So I'll do my favorite character. Uh, uh, right now, I think it's Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. Just because Adam Driver is such a great actor, and I think his performance in those uh the three movies that he's in as Kylo Ren. I think he just does phenomenal. phenomenal. <laughs> I think he kills it every time. Um, even in The Force Awakens, which is, I think, the first movie he did where he was, like, a lead actor in a mm-hmm. big movie. I think, like, his filmography since Force Awakens is incredible, but yeah. it really started, I think, with Force Awakens. Um, and even re-watching that recently, like, he is on point like the mm-hmm. entire movie and then last jedi i'm a huge fan of that uh whole story arc in that film with kylo ren and um ray in particular how they kind of go back and forth but i mean he is just on another level on that movie i think he and mark hamill their performances mm. are just incredible but adam driver is just so like phenomenal um and of course i'm a fan of him and 
other films as well, but just the the way that he plays Kylo Ren is kind of torn between good and evil mm-hmm. and just like tapping into rage. Oh man, it's it's just so good. And then in Rise of Skywalker, of course, when uh he's 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 I found it very surprising. He's very quiet for most of Rise of Skywalker. Like he doesn't really <laughs> say a lot. And then after the scene where he sees the memory of Han Solo, like, I don't think he speaks again after that moment. Like, I don't think he says another mm. word in that movie. But he's just so good. Like, the shrug when he's fighting the Knights <laughs> of Ren. There's so much character in just a shrug. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even need words for that. Oh, but man. And sp- speaking of the Han Solo scene, when he <laughs> goes through the same conversation that he has in Force Awakens yeah, with his dad was... again. For that scene, I remember when I heard just a, a male voice. I don't. I didn't really determine who it was when I first... I thought it was. I was very excited that it was going to be uh, possibly the ghost of Hayden Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, because yeah. I thought maybe he would confront Kylo about you know how Kylo kind of idolizes Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and maybe the ghost of Anakin would come and set him, set him straight on. Hey, I went down the dark path too, but it's it's empty. Like you won't find any satisfaction from it. But yeah, I agree. Kylo Ren. Um, is really awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, I was going to say something. <laughs> I was just going to say, when he says, <laughs> uh, like, dad, but his yeah. voice is breaking, and then his, Han Solo just says, "Oh, I, I know. Oh, man, that killed me. I remember so what I was going to say. I remember when I watched The Force Awakens... Obviously, a lot of the promotional material was about um, Kylo Ren leading up to that because he, you know, he had cool armor, he had Main a cool villain. lightsaber mm-hmm. that was toy marketable. So I was really excited about that. And then when he took off his helmet in Force Awakens, and I saw Adam Driver, I was like, "Really, this guy? <laughs> like, he just did not necessarily look intimidating." Did, yeah. But uh, my mind was changed on that as it mm-hmm. went on. I mean, the performance really speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your favorite character? Well, my favorite character, um, I don't necessarily know, like, every character across the entire canon, so uh, my my choice may come off as kind of basic. I would like to put in an honorable mention, though. I'm just currently watching um, Star Wars Rebels for the first time, and I really love both Kanan Jarrus and Sabine Wren. They're, mm. they're really cool. I just watched, uh, like a whole arc about Sabine last night and just loved it. She's awesome. But I don't know if I can really in good conscience, good conscience put them as my number one because I haven't finished the show. So it might seem kind of basic, but um, my favorite character is Obi-Wan. Just um, mm-hmm. growing up as a kid when the Clone Wars was coming out and just seeing him and Anakin, you know, just fight droids a lot. I just really loved Obi-Wan. And uh, watching the prequels growing up, just he was so cool. He was just calm, collected, and obviously, uh, I think the moment he really wins everyone's heart is um, both his fight with Vader in A New Hope when he kind of uh, lets himself be killed, and also the fight with Anakin on Mustafar. I think those are just two great character Mm -hmm. moments for him, and yeah, I think it cements him as my favorite. Oh yeah, Alec Guinness... And Ewan McGregor, both great actors, and both mm-hmm. of their Obi-Wans are, like, 
iconic and special in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Ewan McGregor really was like studying Alec Guinness when he was doing the prequels, trying to kind of not mimic him, but yeah. like get that kind of same character in his yeah. voice and things. And then James Arnold Taylor, the voice actor for mm-hmm. him in the Clone Wars, he is just an icon all himself. I think <laughs> if I if I'm imagining Obi Wan's voice in my head, it's the voice of James Arnold Taylor over yeah, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> that could just be because there's hours upon hours of Clone Wars and uh, significantly fewer hours of either of those two. But um, the I don't think you've gotten there yet, <laughs> but. There's an episode of Rebels called Twin Sons I'm, where I'm like two episodes away from that actually. That is, and I can see Obi Wan. Oh, the, it's so in the good. Thumbnail of the episode. Yes, so. old Ben appears in that episode and is very much closer to the Alec Guinness uh, mm-hmm. Obi Wan. But there is a big nod. It, it's a very great <laughs> moment because there's a nod and it's kind of a transition between the prequel Obi Wan. Yeah. And the old Ben that we see in New Hope. So that's great. Um, and, of course, we're getting the Obi-Wan show on Disney+. So Plus. At that. some point, Deborah Chow, I believe, is doing that, who uh, directed, I think, two of the best episodes of uh, The Mandalorian Season 1, which was the third one, the one where... He oh the third. he the one where he steals the child back from the client yeah and there's the huge gunfight and all the Mandalorians come out and they say this is the way and then she did oh, I think yeah. I think she did episode seven cool. as well which is the one right before the finale where it ends with them trapped in the bar mm-hmm. and there's just like a hundred stormtroopers outside yeah so very excited for that she has proven herself to be a very great action uh, director and uh, especially in Star Wars yeah I mean. Um, with the new Disney direction, like the obviously the Mandalorian really killed it, and the last season of Clone Wars killed it. So mm-hmm. I feel like say what you will about the movies, but I feel like um, the shows with Disney's just endless budget and just really the freedom creatively, just giving all these different directors just mm-hmm. under one vision, just be able to put something together. I'm really excited to watch that show obviously as like the title character being my favorite character i think that'll be very exciting Mm -hmm. um all right so i don't i guess we can move on from that to favorite movie or show um that question is a bit stacked because (laughs) the clone wars has seven seasons of uh of story and character development and so much more than uh, the films do. Um, and Rebels also has like four seasons. Uh, so, I mean, favorite... I guess for favorite movie, mm. I think for me, controversially, I'll say The Last Jedi. Uh, just because like the things that it is saying about... Both the Star Wars universe, like especially the Force, it gets very deep into Force lore. Um, how Luke is kind of saying, you know, without the light, there isn't darkness, and without darkness, mm-hmm. there isn't light. Where there is one, there is the other. So, kind of assuming that um, bringing balance to the Force means that the light will be in control is a foolish way of thinking. Um, I think everything that you know Luke talks about in that film is brilliant um regarding the force and 
like how a Jedi is supposed to behave and why the Jedi kind of are not what they're supposed to be. I think all that was great. Um, I talked about Adam Driver's performance already. I think that was uh, incredible. And I think just there, there's a moment at the end where the boy on the Canto Bight uh, planet, mm, oh yeah, he walks out, and it's like after after the Resistance has this like wonderful uh, victory where they like miraculously survive because Luke Skywalker sacrifices himself mm-hmm. by force projecting himself across the galaxy, which is just incredibly powerful, <laughs> and I think I'm I'm just getting chills thinking about the end of that movie. I find that movie just incredible and you might not but i do and it's just so powerful to me but after that there's this quiet moment where this young boy who we saw earlier on canto Bay, he walks to the stable because he's is he a i don't remember if he's a slave i think a slave or maybe just a well it's definitely some sort of child labor yeah violation it's it's not legal necessarily a slave it's not legal of type it's definitely reminiscent of young anakin from phantom menace and he walks out because his master i i I guess it's his master Mm -hmm. um tells him to go clean a stable or something and he walks out into this area where there's this big open, like, it's like uh, a huge garage, kind of. Yeah. It's not a vehicle garage. But there's just, like, this big, empty, where a wall should be. But it looks out, and you see space. And he walks through this door into this room mm-hmm. with this huge, gaping wall. And you can see, ever so slightly, he's using the force to, to grab his broom. Yeah. And then he looks out, and he sees the ship's hyperspace in the distance and they're really small but you can make them out and they're just hyperspace um away and he lifts the broom up like it's a lightsaber and then it shows the ring which has the symbol Mm -hmm. of the rebellion or the resistance and it's just so Mm -hmm. so powerful because like this whole movie was about not having hope you know luke didn't have hope um for the jedi and he was didn't have hope that he could overcome his failures and the resistance didn't have hope and they thought they were going to die and they're literally at maybe the lowest point anyone in star wars has ever been there's like enough people in the resistance that they can all fit on the (laughs) millennium falcon that's the entire resistance is one ship's crew and it's like they're at the lowest level of hope but luke skywalker sacrifices himself and the resistance lives another day and they escape and this kid, who's a nobody, an absolute nobody, a slave on a planet, sees them hyperspacing away, and he lifts his uh, broom like it's a lightsaber, and hope is restored to the universe, and he is Force-sensitive, so he, yeah. Luke is not the last Jedi, like he says, and Rey is out there, and there's how who knows how many other children mm-hmm. out there with the Force, and it's just so powerful, and uh, it's just... It's just so good. That's I, I I love that movie so much. Yeah, it, uh, that movie definitely takes some like big, kind of chances like Risks, creatively yeah. on what Star Wars can be, and I think for the most part it works. I really do like that movie. Like for example, um, at one of the final sequences, seeing just uh, like the last Resistance cruiser or whatever hyperspeed through. Like the one dreadnought or something. Oh, the Holdo like, maneuver. Yeah, I had I had always like 
I always, always grew wondered. up thinking of what would like what would that look like, mm-hmm. and just how it when it happens, it's just all dark, and you mm-hmm. just see a streak of light, and it's completely silent for the first bit. Oh, that was such a cool sequence. Very cinematic too. The lighting and everything, very good. Yeah, and also I feel like the whole kind of like Luke's mindset in that movie is kind of a continuation, if not a conclusion, of kind of like in the prequels how we get like this cynical outlook on the Jedi and um we kind of see at the end of the prequel trilogy all hope being lost and then we kind of see Luke kind of with the same mindset of the Jedi aren't necessarily what they should be but instead of ending hopelessly like the movie ends with hope that um maybe the Jedi could return back to their former glory you know with just knowing that there are others out there with the force yeah just I really do like that movie. But um, my favorite movie, again, um, nowadays it's not an uncommon answer to find, but I really do love Revenge of the Sith. And that has been moved into um, the limelight in recent times. I think mainly because of memes, to be perfectly honest. The last slash prequel memes. (laughs) Yeah, that has just been memed. But I will swear that I've always loved this movie since the first time I watched it. And, I don't know, I just, obviously, I like it now for different reasons than I did as a kid, because just as a kid, I just liked that it was a lot of action. Well, actually, it's not as much action as the other movies, but when the action is there, it's just epic, like... Yeah, it's like another level. Like, we get to see, like, the whole Clone War sequence, like, other than the Battle of Geonosis at the end of Attack of the Clones, and obviously before the Clone Wars had come out, we the show, don't, yeah. like the clone wars actually don't get that much screen time because mm-hmm. a lot of revenge of the sith is dialogue political intrigue whatnot but i really like the battle on Utapal and seeing the sequence of order 66 just seeing all these different environments and mm-hmm. just seeing all these awesome jedi and all these clone battles is just really epic i always thought the battle on the wookie planet was Kashyyyk. Yeah. amazing like when they jump on the tanks in the water mm-hmm. and blow it up that was very cool battle scenes in that movie Yeah, but now I've come to appreciate it more for its... I do like that it's more dialogue and character-driven of a movie. Like, you're... I feel like one thing that the prequels don't necessarily get enough credit for, especially Attack of the Clones, is that they're actually building intrigue, which, in theory, it shouldn't work, because the whole intrigue is around, like, oh, who's this Sith Lord? Like, what's his plan? And we know exactly what happens, but you still, it's just still exciting to see it kind of unravel around them. So, I don't know. I really do like that movie a lot, and I will watch it until I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. The best parts of Revenge of the Sith, I think, besides... Um, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin's final fight. Mm-hmm. And the dialogue that they have when Anakin is on, like, about to burn alive, that dialogue is, I think, the perfect moment in that movie. Like, that's yeah. the highlight of the movie. Just, um, like, when Anakin is laying there and he screams, I hate you, and then Obi-Wan says, you are my brother, I loved you. It's just like, oh, so, mm-hmm. so good. Um, but I think the uh, best moments that aren't that moment are the ones that deal with, like, the politics um, and kind of the conspiracy. Something Mm -hmm. that I've been really uh, thinking about lately in Star Wars, and I think it's because I watched the Fives Discovers the Chip arc 
mm-hmm. um, of the Clone Wars, where like the whole prequels is about like a conspiracy theory that like if someone in the real world had a theory that like the president of the United States mm-hmm. was actually was planning to... an evil wizard <laughs> who was working both sides of a war to kind of create an empire. I feel like that theory does exist somewhere in the out there in the world. <laughs> I'm sure but, it does. But now that we've said it, but, yeah. But um, that is like the story of the prequels: is that like the leading politician of the world is an evil, like Sith Lord who is manipulating the entire universe <laughs> for his own ends. And I never like thought about that in like real terms, where it's like. Everyone in the Senate doesn't know that they're just a pawn in mm-hmm. one guy's evil plan. And so Revenge of the Sith is like the like the head of that kind of conspiracy. Like everything comes to a close there. And what I'm really loving is that they're exploring um, this uh, like conspiracy in other medium mediums. They just released a... Well, it released as an audio drama, but they released a hardcover uh, script form of it. It's called Dooku Jedi Lost, and it's about Count Dooku's um, origins as a young boy and how he leaves the Order. And it's very much like he is tempted by the dark side, and you can kind of see... There's not... I don't think Sidious appears in it, but there's... um, like, there's a scene where he's hearing all these voices, and one of them, like, is Sidious, and he's saying mm. apprentice, and uh, you hear Asajj Ventress, and it's saying master, and Savage Repress, and he's saying master. Oh, shit. And so it's, like, all this stuff is, like, happening, but, like, no one knows about it. Um, and there was actually a great book that is in the Legends uh, Star Wars, which, if you don't know what that means, uh, when Disney bought Star Wars, all of the books and things that came out before Disney bought Star Wars were moved to this uh, category called Legends, which means that they are not officially canon, but they're you consider them kind of like an alternate universe of Star Wars where these events um, happened, mm-hmm. but they're not officially canon. So like the Old Republic video games, which were really popular, would fall into Legends. But there's a book by James Luceno called Darth Plagueis, and that is all about Darth Plagueis and Darth Sidious and kind of the timeline of... Darth Plagueis taking over from his master and then training Sidious and then Sidious killing Plagueis and then Sidious uh, getting Darth Maul and Count Dooku. And so it's def- there's definitely a lot out there now that they're expanding into kind of exploring this whole mystery that uh, Revenge of the Sith is kind of based on. Yeah, and I think that could be another reason that I like it so much because I feel like um, with the generation that grew up with the originals when they the prequel trilogy was coming out i feel like for the most part it was negatively received because i can understand how it might seem confusing or just flat out bad if you just look at the movies i mean some might not think so i certainly don't think so but i've also had other mediums like i've had some of these books growing up and i've had the clone wars to kind of like I could see the entire, everything that happened before A New Hope as I could see it big picture. So, like, I always considered the Clone Wars just to be, like, it was just always in my mind. So people, I won't really ever have the perspective of knowing what it was like to experience Revenge of the Sith before the Clone Wars. 
came out, but definitely the Clone Wars and other things just make my appreciation of them much greater. And I also like that you're saying um, about the dialogue of Anakin and Obi-Wan's, uh, the last part of it, Revenge of the Sith, because to be truthful, it's not like the greatest dialogue ever written, but their performance still manages to pack emotion, and so you don't even care. Yeah, like, it's, it's just... It's not like the dialogue you'd get in, say, like a Noah Baumbach movie, which mm-hmm. is all about like being extremely realistic. Yeah. And it's definitely kind of like... It's very Shakespearean. It's very... It, yeah, it's not... It doesn't like flow out of the mouth as yeah. if it's real, but it's, it's more about the emotion of what's being said than how it feels. Because it is a space opera with yeah. wizards with laser swords so it's not it's like it's not necessarily supposed to be a grounded it, people realistic. aren't watching it for realism <laughs> um but you know when you were talking about having things as a kid like the books and things to kind of ground you in the story uh i thought one of the things that best helped me to understand star wars as a kid was lego star wars that, <laughs> that, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're coming out with the new one at the end of this year called the skywalker saga i believe and i i we will buy hope, it we will play <laughs> it and we will review I, it <laughs> i hope to 100 percent that game yeah i don't think i ever 100 percent of the original one but uh i will this time <laughs> um but it's great that you think the revenge of the sith is your favorite movie because um unplanned as this was uh today the day of recording which is what is it today the The 19th 19th of may May. today is the 15th anniversary of the release of revenge of the sith happy birthday um so we've kind of already talked a lot about revenge of the sith already um but we can also talk about the uh other biggest piece of star wars uh media that has come out recently which is the siege of mandalore Mm. arc that relates to revenge of the sith uh, directly um if you are unaware the siege of mandalore is the final four episodes uh they make up one arc or one story of uh the clone wars television show it is the last four episodes so it serves as the finale and they really went all out on these (laughs) episodes there is uh just an incredible amount of like detail and care that went into making these four episodes and they were just super well done i thought and very very powerful um but i I guess what i would like to talk about is um kind of the connections between that arc and revenge of the sith um so obviously these four episodes take place like at the same time as revenge of the sith And they're very specific at telling you when, during Revenge of the Sith, events in the show were taking place. So in the first episode, um, Ahsoka is talking to Anakin and Obi-Wan, and they get a call that Coruscant is under attack. And Anakin and Obi-Wan rush off to go save them, uh, to go save the Chancellor, Mm -hmm. because he's the one who's being kidnapped, I believe, by General Grievous. And so... If you are familiar with Revenge of the Sith, the opening of that movie, which, by the way, is an incredible sequence um, where Anakin and Obi-Wan fly their uh, little personal starships inside of a giant Separatist cruiser and fight their way to the bridge to save the Chancellor, 
who they don't know this is, is, the, fun is the Sith Lord that, that is causing the war. Uh, but they don't know that. And they're going to save him, and they confront Count Dooku, and it's and General Grievous as well, mm-hmm. and there's incredible fights, and it's all in this opening sequence, which I think is maybe the best opening to a Star Wars movie that I can think of. Um, I mean, there's other iconic ones, but I think this one is the most like action-packed and just it immerses you yeah. immediately in what's going on. But that is what they're running to in this episode of uh, The Clone Wars, is they're running to that because that is the attack on Coruscant that they're talking about. Um, so when you watched that first episode, what did you, <laughs> like, what did you think about how, like, I knew this season was taking place around the same time as Revenge of the Sith, and obviously mm-hmm. in the Bad Batch arc, you see the hologram of Padme, and she's slightly pregnant, yeah, you can she's... tell. So it's like, oh, these events are definitely happening very close to that time period, and then in this one they're like, all right, well, this is right at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I mean, I, once the trailer was released, on, I mean, first of all, I was in disbelief, I was, but, um... I remember seeing, like, they had a clip of, like you said, Padme was kind of showing. And also, um, there was a little bit uh, when Mace Windu said, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, now that's epic. So I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I had assumed going in that it would, you know, intertwine with Revenge of the Sith quite a bit. The first episode, I really feel... Because basically the last season was divided into three arcs, four episodes each. The first arc was kind of like, I feel like this last season was really a thank you to the fans and a lot of, not necessarily fan service, but just like tying it all together. The Clone Wars. So in the first arc, you know, obviously like we get to see the Bad Batch, which is in honor of, you know, Clone uh, 99, which is a fan favorite, and also we see Echo alive and well, and well, that... maybe not well. Well, but... <laughs> yeah, he he's looks alive. he looks quite gaunt, yes, but <laughs> he's alive. He's but alive. He's not well, but he was another. You know, fans were really torn apart emotionally by his death. Yeah, so I seeing... think he died in season. Four, so seeing he? him alive, but like not like they didn't bring him back in like a super campy way, like in a good way. I really. That was really just, I feel like, Dave Filoni just hugging the fans, you know? But, yeah, um, there was that. Um, I mean, the whole show coming back in general, because it had been years since, I, th- I believe it got canceled after season six, um, and then they decided to bring it back. I don't know how or why they decided to bring it back, but they were definitely, like, this, this, is the, this has to be the final season, so we have to, like, we have to, you know, uh, spare no expense in the words of yeah. a Jurassic Park character. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, this season was very much um, for the fans who had grown up with it and now were older, and so the stories are much more mature. Um, and so I think I think having this connected to Revenge of the Sith is another way that it was showing its maturity. Um uh, and definitely trying to show that, like, hey, the animation in, like, the Star Wars animation, Clone Wars and Rebels, are not 
any like worse than the movies or anything like they're mm-hmm. not a lower tier of star wars it's all star wars and i think that was also showed at the end of episode nine at the end did i say end of episode <laughs> the end of episode yeah. nine where um obviously ahsoka tano and kanan's voice can i be did heard. yeah i was not expecting that and yeah that was that was very cool as well um but uh yes these uh final four episodes uh, that isn't the only connection to Revenge of the Sith. There was also, um, as you said, the Mace Windu line. And actually, you see them have this yeah. hollow meeting that happens in live action in Revenge of the Sith. But in the Clone Wars, you get to see when that meeting ends, and in the movie, when it cuts away, this show shows that meeting ends and the hollow projectors go down and Ahsoka Tano walks yeah. into the room and continues talking with Master Yoda. So it's kind of showing like things that we didn't get to see mm-hmm. but it still connects to the episode. Yeah, and I how did you like I said, you, I anticipated it? some connection but I was really shocked that there is literally direct lines. Oh yeah. Like in scenes from different perspectives that, you know, translate across from the movie to the show. Um, another great example of this is at times, I think maybe two times in the, the final arc, they use actual audio from Revenge of the Sith, like, uh, in the, the the penultimate episode, the, the, the second to last for the smooth brains. Order 66 episode. (laughs) Yeah. We see Ahsoka kind of standing, uh, on the bridge of the Republic cruiser and she's, you know, sensing something, and she can actually hear, like, Sam Jackson's Mace Samuel Windu Jackson and Hayden, Hayden Christensen, Christensen and yes, the actors and from the movie. They can actually hear the same audio. So, uh, I mean, I immediately picked that up. Mm-hmm. I could tell that oh, it was did the originals. You notice, no, did you notice? It was Hayden Christensen's Anakin lines, but then the last one where he says, what have I done, is the actor from mm. the Clone Wars, the voice actor. So they kind of blended them. Uh, and even in in Star Wars Rebels, the end of season two, when they when Ahsoka cuts Vader's helmet and you see yeah. his eye, it's a blend of the voice actor from the Clone Wars and James Earl Jones. So like they blend yeah, their voices uh, together. That was so, so awesome. So the shows are very good about um, like respecting the source material of the movies, but also saying like, hey, we're just as valid as well. But yeah. anyways, back to what you were saying about <laughs> Order sixty six. Yeah, so um, I know a lot of people were kind of wanting to see Order 66 in its animated Clone Wars form, or maybe different, like a different sequence. Yeah, I was hoping to, for a montage. Because there, there are a lot of other Jedi that are in the Clone Wars that weren't necessarily developed enough necessarily to make the montage in Revenge of the Sith. So a lot of people were excited to see something like that, and unfortunately it didn't come but honestly, I don't think it was necessary. No, per se. I think it would have taken away from the story. Yeah, because that we got. it was just like when I was seeing the arc, the last four episodes. Other than seeing Anakin a little bit at the beginning, like really, he doesn't show up that much. And I feel like the last four episodes were supposed to be very grounded, as Ahsoka and Rex mm-hmm. are are the main yeah. characters. Like Obi Wan shows up uh, via hologram somewhere in there i'm not sure exactly what episode i think it is before i think it's before she confronts maul mm. in episode oh, yeah. two 
I think it's before they have that amazing fight, by the way. One of the best fights in Star Wars. Definitely completely. probably the best in Clone Wars. I mean, that was just... Yeah, uh, for sure the best in the Clone Wars show. Yeah, I mean, also just, I love that the Clone Wars took Darth Maul, who is just basically a nameless, voiceless, faceless character from mm -hmm. one movie who was killed in the movie, and they just took him and turned him into, like, truly a a, a terrible as in <laughs> terrible as terribly in evil but terribly great. evil yes just a truly intimidating in, but interesting villain like mm -hmm. i mean i'm sure he's kind of not on <laughs> he's not on the side of the sith but he's not a good guy either yeah he's kind of his own he's which, kind of his own chaos which is putting it was so exciting to see him and ahsoka put together because obviously mm -hmm. in rebels um, I hadn't watched Rebels by the time I was watching this clone, uh, the Clone Wars, but now looking back, I can see that a lot of drama was kind of set up between Ahsoka and Maul in Rebels. And Ahsoka's kind of the same way. You said Maul isn't necessarily a Sith, but he is evil. Ahsoka is no longer a Jedi, and she, although I feel like there is some tension on her deciding whether to come back to the Order in those final four episodes... I think she really cements herself as not being a Jedi, but she's still good, which mm -hmm. is, I mean, really just develops the theme of the Clone Wars as a whole. I feel like um, the Clone Wars was just trying to say that it's not so black and white as the Jedi are good and the Sith are evil, you know? Like, there's definitely, in the prequels, too, they just mm -hmm. definitely show how the Sith, although they are evil it shows how the Jedi Order has kind of been uh, bastardized, kind of, where it's not what it should be, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and another character that they do that really well with is Asajj Ventress, who was a Jedi, and her master died, I believe, and then she mm -hmm. was taken as a slave. I, I might be getting this story wrong, but at one point she was definitely a slave, and she fell into line with Count Dooku and then became... Uh, not technically a Sith, because yeah. there's only two Sith, so it was Sidious and She was uh, an Count assassin. Dooku, but she was definitely a dark side assassin, and the plan was for Dooku to kill Sidious and take Asajj mm -hmm. as his assassin, or as his apprentice. But obviously Sidious finds out and makes him get rid of Ventress, and so she kind of goes through this whole thing where she's not accepted by the Sith, she's not accepted by the Jedi, so she becomes like a bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. And there's a book that I bought but haven't started yet because I have, like, two other ones to read before it called Dark Disciple, which is about Asajj Ventress teaming up with uh, Quinlan Voss, who is a oh, Jedi. Shoot. So awesome. uh, Quinlan Voss is a pretty great character yeah. as well. He's pretty, He had, I think, like, maybe one or two episodes of Clone Wars. I think Wars, just the one, criminally underused. He was, he was pretty, yeah, he's pretty <laughs> underrated. He's pretty awesome. Um, but I'm looking forward to reading that and seeing what happens with her story um, but yeah, the Clone Wars is definitely exploring this kind of dynamic between good, evil, and then something in between. Yeah, and Rebels does between. that a lot as well. I think that's, I think Dave Filoni, the creator of both of those shows, is very interested mm -hmm. in that dynamic. What is the middle of the Force look like? Yeah, and even you can see some of that in The Last Jedi. I feel like The Last Jedi is kind of the conclusion of that kind of idea that's been explored, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I, speaking of Asajj Ventress, in the uh, the middle arc of the last season, 
Um, once I found out that Ahsoka was just trying to get by on Coruscant, I was really hoping that, like, as the drama and the, the action builds up at, towards the end of the arc, that Asajj Ventress would come in mm. and kind of, like, save her or something and make an well, a, appearance. Well, didn't she show up? She, that kind of happened, but it was in the Ahsoka Leaves the Order arc because she's on the run. Yeah, and yeah. And they confront Barriss together or something. Uh, it's what? been a while since I watched it. Some, something happens where Barriss gets uh, yeah, what, Asajj's lightsaber. Yeah, but what there happened? Is, there is a confrontation between Ahsoka and Asajj Ventress, and it is very interesting because these are two people that yeah. used to think of each other as like mortal enemies, but now neither of them are with the camps that they were with at that point. So now they're kind of equals. They're both runaways. Mm -hmm. They're really both just cast aside by what they... I should watch those again. By what they thought was kind of the truth, what they thought they belonged. And it -hmm. just kind of shows that when you have these big kind of orders, these ancient traditions, it just kind of can step on... It becomes a system where... Yeah, it becomes a system that's impersonal and cold mm-hmm. which is yeah I, I really do like that yeah. arc as if, well <laughs> if you can't tell uh we are big fans of the shows so if you <laughs> if you have not watched the shows uh we first of all highly recommend them because they're mm-hmm. great there's such great stories and character work done in them that they are definitely worth watching if you're a star wars fan um the clone wars i would say start with first mm-hmm. and then the final four episodes of Clone Wars do a lot to set up a lot of stuff that happens in seasons uh, two and three of Star Wars Rebels. So if you like Clone Wars, then I think Rebels is a natural second step after um, Clone Wars. But not only should you watch them because they're great, you should watch them because... Since we love them so much, we're probably going to reference them all the time. <laughs> all the time. Uh, and it's good to, if you plan on listening to kind of uh, have the same kind of grasp of uh, the things that we're going to talk about a lot. And there's a lot to talk about there, so we will probably um, reference the mm-hmm. episodes of The Clone Wars quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, kind of the meat and potatoes of this episode has been focused around our discussion of Clone Wars, but I would like to plug Rebels here for a second, (laughs) specifically because I was turned off to the idea of Rebels initially because just this very small amount of things I had seen looked very childish. I didn't like how the animation looked at first, but when I... Like, after watching The Clone Wars, I was hearing about all the connections to Rebels. So I was like, okay, I gotta give it a watch then. And as I have, first of all, I realized how much it really is almost a sequel show. Like, a direct sequel to Clone Wars. And also a direct prequel to A New Hope. Like, it really... Mm -hmm. And also, I've come to really appreciate the animation. It's Uh, not as good as Clone Wars still, I wouldn't say... The, the final four episodes of The Clone Wars, um, the animation is, like, on point for those final four mm-hmm. episodes. They even motion capture the fight scenes. Yeah. So it's not just a computer. Yeah. They actually have people choreographed fight scenes and then animate over top of it. So the animation in Clone Wars, I still say, is better than Rebels, but Rebels yeah. animation it's, isn't bad 
to the it, point where it it's isn't, like you can't watch the I, show. I don't even think it's bad. What I think it is, I think it's jarring. I th- yeah, I think for, there are things in it that I think don't the, look good. the change from Clone Wars, especially with characters that you're familiar with, yes, like Obi-Wan. from Clone Wars that just look different, I feel like that change could be yeah. jarring. I think one of the most egregious kind of downgrades <laughs> is, is Hondo Onaka uh, yeah. in the Clone Wars I mean, but what I wouldn't say he's an, an attractive guy, but he just no, really he's, a weak is, he's really looking <laughs> he's in looking in bad form in Rebels. Spikes on his face. But I, I promise you, you can get past that, and the story, uh, the story and the character work, yeah, supersedes the animation in my mind. Yeah, and cl- but what they did do good though, they didn't like Ahsoka is older. And so she naturally looks different than she did in yeah. Clone Wars. So it's that transition isn't jarring at all. I didn't. Yeah, think. no. She looks more like an adult and less like. Same with a Rex. Teen. I I yeah, feel yeah, and like. Rex is way different because he's older and has yeah. a beard. And especially so, when you and consider, he's bitter because he hasn't. He been literally out. looks like an old old man, but it makes sense because clones are supposed to age twice as mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. So and I don't think really many clones were intended to survive that long per yeah, se. Yeah. No, I think so what happened an, is after after Order sixty six happened and they served their point. Yeah, they, they were started to get too old and then they just started. Like hiring stormtroopers, basically. Mm-hmm. So the clone troopers were literally just created to kill the Jedi, and then after that, they were like, "Eh, we don't need them anymore." Yeah, and also one thing I really love about Rebels is, I think actually I like this. Well, let me just explain further before I make a bold statement. So Clone Wars is an arc-based show, very much so. Obviously, it's all it's all connected, but um, narratives usually there's like a span of two to five episode oh sorry <laughs> two to four two to five two to f- was there one that was five yeah, i think the droid one was five i'm pretty sure the droids where they're stuck on that yeah oh. and it's very arc based which um is kind of hit or miss because some arcs obviously the whole show is good but some arcs are definitely stronger while some are weaker and although mm-hmm. there are some arcs in rebels i feel like rebels is a much more um systematic and kind of periodic show like this happens and then you can see how from this point in the next episode they're at this point and you can see the rebellion growing in size and like amassing things and it's very linear and it really all tells one story i feel like and i actually like that kind of storytelling more than clone wars's arc based I think. Yeah, Clone Wars is almost like an anthology show, but mm-hmm. it's like the same characters over and over again. But every once in a while, it'll be like a random character gets his own story for yeah. like two episodes. Like Jar Jar Binks and Mace Windu get a whole story <laughs> together. That was Which a weird was, one. <laughs> that was really, really weird. But then a lot of the time, it's Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka. So it's it's definitely Rebels is kind of... There are separate stories. Like there's the Sith Temple Mm-hmm. there's two episodes where it all takes place at a sith temple and it's all one story but that story directly impacts what comes after it yeah. and is directly set up by what came before it so it's it's definitely like a serial show but there are little pockets of yeah connected, when i was watching season episodes. one and two like in season two they were just like directly referencing things that happened in season one but not in like a forced kind of manner so i really that's when i realized like oh shoot this is like a great 
story. So I I urge you not to uh, not to rule write Rebels off. You know, give it a chance. And I'm sure, uh, as a Star Wars fan, I'm sure if you don't love it, you can at least appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it took it took a while to convince you that. Yeah. <laughs> the lightsaber blaster combo. Yeah, is that, not as bad as it sounds. It was not in it for that long. Yeah. And it gets cut in half, so you get the joy of seeing it gone. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely there are definitely parts of it that are more geared toward children, um, and the humor I think is it uh, can be childish at some points. But also at the same time, the main character Ezra is like thirteen, yeah. fourteen years old, so it does make sense. But it is still good. Everything that happens with Kane and Jarrus is absolutely perfect <laughs> when he. Learn, like from season two onward like the end of season two onward everything that kanan does and goes through is mm-hmm. just absolutely incredible and he is like a top five character for yeah, me yeah i'm probably. excited to to see it finish off there when i finish the show and i'll report back yes about my, i want my to thoughts. watch i want to watch like the last five episodes with you just mm-hmm. to see your reaction to things we did that with the end of season two we watched like the last and I was, two episodes i was together. shook i was and very was so, shook so fun to watch with somebody who hadn't mm-hmm. seen it before all right but um i guess we we kind of went on a tangent <laughs> into the clone wars rather than revenge of the sith um so we can step back to revenge of the sith for a moment and um talk about kind of what revenge of the sith means to you now um, obviously we, we talked a little bit about how we appreciate yeah. more of the political side, but like, what does Revenge of the Sith mean to you on like a deeper level? Cause I guess I can start cause it's kind of a confusing question. Um, to me it, it's kind of, uh, about like brotherhood and, um, you know, it, we see Anakin and Obi-Wan have this like buddy relationship brotherhood relationship at the beginning of the movie and there's an incredible deleted scene (laughs) where they get they get uh (laughs) surrounded by general grievous and some droids and they start like going through a playbook basically of like like ways to escape like how catchers will like flick their nose or something to signal a a certain pitch like they were going through all these he was twirling his mustache he twirls his mustache and anakin's like no i was thinking more and then he rubs his (laughs) eyebrow and like that is it was cut from the movie obviously but that's the kind of relationship they have at the beginning of the movie um where they're like best friends and brothers and they'll be there for each other for Mm -hmm. no matter what happens and then as it goes on you know anakin is uh torn by his other kind of obligations or attachments to you know padme he thinks or he feels that she's going to die in childbirth um and he's married to her. Obviously, he loves her. I think his relationship with Padme, though it isn't as mm-hmm. well kind of portrayed in the movies, um, that I th- a marriage relationship is deeper than, I think, or is different than a yeah. brother relationship, than the relationship that he has with Obi-Wan. So he... he I, I, the only thing I wish is that... Um, that relationship with Padme was developed a little more. Yeah. But um, if it, you can, if just by thinking about it, you can understand why he would um, 
choose to try to save Padme and go down this darker path than preserve the relationship with Obi-Wan by staying on the lighter path. Um, but as it goes on, you know, they get separated for a majority of the movie, and, like, the last scene they have together, neither of them knows mm -hmm. what's about to happen. And then it ends with Obi-Wan, who's his master, being attacked by his Padawan, and he has to, like, incapacitate him. And he probably thinks he kills him at first. Yeah. Um, so that is just a very interesting dynamic that I think there's a lot to unpack there. And, and um, I'd like to unpack some of it. So Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I really... This could be me reading too deep into this, but as I as I look at some threads kind of talking about Anakin and Obi-Wan as an iconic relationship, and uh, an interesting thing I heard is that, um, you know, at the in the end dialogue, Obi-Wan, uh, you know, Anakin yells at Obi-Wan, he says, I hate you, and Obi-Wan says, you were my brother, and I loved you. Well, first of all, you know, the Jedi weren't supposed to love, you know, they were supposed mm -hmm. to, you know, they're supposed to care about people they were protecting, but like love was forbidden. So kind of Obi-Wan, who's more, he sticks more closely to the Jedi rules. You know, I don't think he was completely in the dark about what Anakin was doing per se. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sure, and in, yeah, in Clone Wars, in Clone Wars even, that he even knows that Anakin has a thing with Padme. Yeah. He even says something along the lines of, I was very close to Duchess Satine, and there's a whole story in the mm -hmm. Clone Wars where we see that if yeah. Obi-Wan hadn't, or Obi-Wan was maybe at one point tempted to leave the Jedi to be with Duchess Satine of Mandalore, who he kind of had feelings for, and even kept them till um, those episodes of the Clone Wars, yeah. but he still chose duty over love, whereas Anakin kind of went with love over duty yeah so just hearing him say that even though it is like against jedi things that he because obviously when people hear love they immediately think of romantic love so when yoda gives anakin his whole spiel about letting go of attachments you never really consider um the attachment formed necessarily between anakin and obi-wan and another thing um how he says that he's his brother um in the phantom menace i feel like um that Anakin, you know, he doesn't have a father, and in Attack of the Clones, his mother dies, so I feel like he's looking for someone to fill that father role, and for a moment, for a split second, he thinks it's going to be Qui-Gon, but then Qui-Gon is killed. Mm -hmm. So Obi-Wan um, kind of takes up Anakin as his apprentice, not because he he wants to, but because Qui-Gon would Did have wanted him to. Did you listen to Dave to. Filoni's speech I think, about I, this? I think maybe this could be where what I read... Dave Filoni, if you haven't been watching, if you haven't watched the Mandalorian, watch the Mandalorian. Yeah. And then they did a documentary series about the making of the Mandalorian. And oh, see, in, in one I of the have, episodes, I I haven't watched that yet. So okay. May, so this, I, yeah. I think I read this speech online somewhere mm -hmm. without context. Yeah. In one of the episodes of this docu series, Dave Filoni, the creator of Clone Wars and Rebels, who is kind of George Lucas's protege, talks about the phantom menace in a way that totally changes your entire yeah. perception of the movie because he talks about how anakin doesn't have a father and qui-gon fills that role as father yeah exactly. and then qui-gon dies and obi-wan 
takes him on, takes Anakin on as an apprentice, not because he wants to, but because he made a promise to Qui Gon mm-hmm. that he would train Anakin. And then a pre- Anakin presumably takes Palpatine as his new father figure, which yeah. is where everything goes wrong. But Obi Wan becomes his brother over time. But yeah, not, but I feel like what he, he didn't needed... want to originally. Yeah, and um, another thing is like how obi-wan is constantly like anakin has and rightfully so obi-wan tries to limit anakin's ambition a little bit he he's constantly calling him you know my young apprentice like he's saying stuff such as if you (laughs) what was the one line he says in attack of the clones he was like if you did something as much as you practice your lightsaber skills you would be a swordsman to master master uh, to rival master yoda or something Mm -hmm. so he's just constantly kind of putting anakin in his place and anakin just feels like begrudged by that kind of so um that really shows in the last battle when um obi-wan's like don't try it and anakin's like you underestimate my power like that's kind of how anakin has felt their whole relationship he felt and he even says so in Attack of the Clones. He feels like he's more powerful than everyone, but he feels like he's kind of being trampled on a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think Obi-Wan kind of actually realizes this because he says in the last bit of Revenge of the Sith, he's like, I have failed you. Like, he's taking some responsibility that he could have possibly prevented the path Anakin went down. And that's how we see the very logical transition from Obi-Wan as to this kind of calm and collected, you know, cool general type to this kind of wizened and kind of morose older man in kind a of new hope down and yeah mm-hmm. definitely like weathered sad i can't yeah. wait for you to watch the twin sons episode <laughs> because i will i have so much to talk about obi-wan <laughs> in that episode alone there is so much i think i'll probably get to it tonight i only have two episodes probably he probably gets like Maybe, if you're lucky, 10 minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. Probably not even that. There is more character, like, change and story in those, like, small moments with him that, like, it's incredible just watching his character change, like, make that change even more. Mm-hmm. It's so good. But, yes, um, I love everything you're saying. Another thing that uh, Revenge of the Sith does for me, is it kind of shows failure and how to come back from failure. I think that's kind of the main, like, core of what Star Wars is, or at least one of them. I think Star Wars can be interpreted in infinite ways. One of them, and the one that I am really have been doing lately, is about failure. Um, And, you know, the Jedi in the prequels, but most evidently in Revenge of the Sith have kind of lost their way like they're supposed to be completely impartial they're not supposed to be connected with the government or any like specific side and yet here they are as generals in a war fighting for the Mm -hmm. republic um unaware that they're working for a sith lord like they have lost their way completely and i think what revenge of the sith does great like a great job doing is yoda confronts sidious and he loses the fight with Sidious. Sidious like throws him down and he has to run away or he'll be killed. And he gets in the speeder with Bail Organa, which is a weird duo. <laughs> I want a Yoda Bail Organa buddy cop movie. But um, <laughs> he is in the 
uh, airspeeder with Bail Organa, and he says, "I have failed into exile. I must go." Is the line he says, mm-hmm. and it's he didn't. He's not talking about the fight. He did. The, he did lose the fight. He had yeah. to run away. But what he failed was his nine hundred years as a Jedi Master have mm-hmm. completely ended in yeah. nothing. The Order is dead. He was blind in with pride. He didn't see what was going on like around him and he completely failed and he has to go to Dagobah and live in exile alone just like Obi-Wan goes to Tatooine but of course he goes to Tatooine to watch over yeah. Luke but Yoda is failed and he is a not he is the grand master of the Jedi yeah I mean how many countless times throughout the prequels have we heard Yoda or other masters say something like mm, yes hard to see cloud and everything the dark side is and that i don't think that's well, just because talks that way. well yeah i don't think that's necessarily just because oh like sidious is a big bad he must be like blocking everything i think it's because the jedi have like they're almost disconnected like they've lost their way like their mm-hmm. ties to the force although not completely severed has definitely been it's like hanging on to like a thread almost like because everything they represent, the ideologies they draw on to really be Jedi and be connected to the Force, is they're just disregarding it. Like, um, mm-hmm. I think no one captures that more than the character Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. I think Mace Windu, especially in the last four episodes of The Clone Wars... He is not like a nice guy. He's very like, yeah. Oh yeah, they definitely leaned into confrontational that. with people, and he's very I'm right, not the force is right, and I need to listen to the force. He's saying listen to what I'm saying. This is how it's going to be, and you know he does do some things that are right. You know he doesn't let Anakin become a master, and he gets upset when the Chancellor's trying to interfere with Jedi affairs. That's good, I think. <laughs> However, yeah. he also is uh kind of arrogant and he is the one who he like the least interested in anakin doesn't even think to consult the force Do- about Anakin. doesn't even trust him he doesn't trust anakin for how long how long they've served together and how long they've known each other you really um, start to hate mace Windu. when anakin goes to mace window with the information um that he says i think sidious is the chancellor he doesn't say you know let's hop in let's go confront him he says, if what you say is true, you will have gained my trust. So, mm-hmm. like, and I it's mean, too late. what and is Anakin? Anakin so, kill him. <laughs> honestly, I think if Mace Windu had trusted Anakin, like Anakin, like I said earlier, Anakin feels like he's disrespected. He feels like he's being, like, trampled on. If someone would have just respected Anakin and, like, if they would have kind of limited him and kept him in check and more of a respectful and caring way maybe mace windu and anakin could have confronted sidious together and could have stopped him but yeah mace windu definitely represents everything the jedi shouldn't be but have become mm-hmm. at that point point. and um so obviously at the end of revenge of the sith uh yoda and obi-wan are the only two big jedi that are still alive and obviously like in the video games and yeah Rebels, there are, they there are, there are survivors others, of order but... 66 um but they are yeah those who weren't killed were definitely between. just scattered and yeah they're scattered there's no order many of them put up the their lightsabers in the force um and 
Then Yoda tells Obi-Wan, I have something to, like, there is more training for you to do. And, he, and Obi-Wan's like, what do you mean? I'm a Jedi Master on the Council. And Yoda, even in the end of The Clone Wars in Season 6, I yeah. think, has to do more learning himself. And he's 900 years old. But what is he learning? He's learning from his old master, Qui-Gon. And how? Well, Qui-Gon <laughs> is the ideal Jedi. Qui-Gon yeah. is what the Jedi should have been. Not someone who is tied down to the rules of the Order, but someone who listens to the Force. And what the Force says, he calls it the living Force. Mm -hmm. What the living Force says is what you should do. So he identifies Anakin, and he takes him. And even when the Council doesn't want Anakin, he says, well, then I'm going to train him. And he turns down the Council's offer to mm -hmm. be a master. Yeah. And Qui-Gon is like the ideal Jedi. And I think to understand the prequels and, and to really understand the entirety of Star Wars, I think you have to understand Qui-Gon's character. But Qui-Gon was studying how to become one with the Force after death and to become, to become a Force ghost that we see in episode... Uh, I think the first time we see is episode 5... Um, obi-wan's force ghost and then at the end of episode six we see obviously anakin yeah obi-wan and yoda so i guess if if you grew up with just the original trilogy you just thought that's what happened to jedi yeah. as they became ghosts but the prequels you know qui-gon gets killed and he doesn't disappear he doesn't fade out he's mm -hmm. just dead there and that's because his training wasn't complete but now he gets to train Yoda and Obi-Wan, what it means to be a true Jedi, mm -hmm. how to become connected with the Force, and then obviously we see that. But, Revenge of the Sith, and <laughs> all that about failure, about Yoda having to go into exile, all of that, it follows that what Luke Skywalker goes through in Last Jedi is exactly that same yeah. story. And it's so incredible to me that people find this, like... Like, out of left field. And they find it so, like, ridiculous. Like, Luke Skywalker would never. And I was like, Yoda did. <laughs> yeah. Yoda was 900. Yoda was mm -hmm. Grandmaster of the Jedi. Luke was 20 years old when he started mm -hmm. training for a Jedi. Anakin was 9, and he was the <laughs> oldest Jedi <Yeah>. ever trained. <laughs> and Luke's 20. So, obviously, Luke doesn't have perfect Jedi training. Yeah. And Luke's father was Anakin Skywalker the the most famous fallen jedi of all time mm -hmm. so to assume that you know luke was going to be perfect in last jedi i think was a foolish uh assumption yeah however um there's a great moment between the two of them in that movie where yoda is kind of teaching luke again and he's saying look failure or I, th I believe the quote is, the greatest teacher failure is. Mm -hmm. And so it's like failure is kind of the core of these three trilogies if you watch them back to back. Yeah. Yoda failed in the prequels, and now we see Yoda sharing his knowledge. And then Luke fails. Luke also fails in a, in a very similar way to how Anakin fails at the prequels. And Yoda comes back and says, no, don't you remember what I've taught you? You failed. You, or I think he says like, you have failed Ben Solo, but you cannot fail Ray mm -hmm. or something like that. And then Luke, after saying, I'm not a Jedi anymore, the Jedi need to die, is when he picks up 
or he force projects himself and he has the blue lightsaber yeah. which was destroyed so that should have been a clue that he was a force mm -hmm. projection i guess but he force projects himself and he faces down the first order with just himself and a laser sword like he says <laughs> would be so foolish uh, earlier in the movie and he does it and kylo ren threatens him and he's yeah has this absolutely perfect line perfect delivery where he says, everything you just said was wrong. The resistance is reborn today. Uh, I think he says something else. And then he says, and I will not yeah. be the last Jedi. And boom, I have chills again <laughs> every time I watch it. It's so good because he's like, yeah, I failed. So has everyone else has mm -hmm. failed. But you can always come back. And you don't have to fail over and over again. You can learn from it. And it's so perfect. And to me... That is what Revenge of the Sith does best, is it shows yeah. that the Jedi have failed, but there is a way back. There is a new hope. There are actually significant connections between that arc in Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith, and that scene in The Last Jedi. I mean, in the arc in Clone Wars, the one thing... Remember, he confronts like a little shadowy like gremlin Yoda, kind mm -hmm. of, and then the, the beings or whatever that were kind of teaching him were like, basically what yoda learned is he said um i know who you are he's like my my dark side you are he's and what where he had failed before was um he just he just scoffed at the idea that a jedi master such as himself could have a dark side mm -hmm. he didn't recognize it and so it was kind of just looming pride, in the, kind yeah, of, yeah and oh that's one thing with the jedi the pride so once he he recognized him called it out by name he said uh no you well not recognized him because that disproves what he's about to say he was like i know who you are recognize you i do not so like he's has to at that point he's like yes i have a dark side but that's not who i am mm -hmm. you know and that kind of ties in even um he also oh wait no 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 I want to talk about Qui Gon now <laughs> the when Qui Gon it's also terribly ironic that um like I said if Qui Gon how things could have been different if he was the father figure and the teacher for Anakin Anakin in the Revenge of the Sith is just you know seduced by the ability to grant life you know which mm -hmm. is the one thing that only Qui Gon could have possibly irony. taught him incredible irony. Which just, like, it was almost doomed from the beginning. The Jedi are the ones who really have the ability mm -hmm. to uh, circumvent death. Yeah. And just the one final thing about that arc is the um, the connection with Revenge of the Sith and The Last Jedi in that one part. Like they said, they get caught up in all these rules and restrictions and whatnot, and they just kind of lose the connection to the Force. It goes forward in The Last Jedi. Um, Yoda brings down a bolt of lightning and burns up one of one of the most ancient sacred Jedi temples and all these sacred texts. And Luke is but like, no, he? the sacred texts. <laughs> does and he or did Rey take them with her? No. Aren't they on the Millennium Falcon? I don't know. But anyway, Luke it doesn't, thinks they're in there at it least. Do, yeah, it doesn't matter because what Yoda, it's just showing how Yoda is cutting through the dogma of... He doesn't want Luke to, and he calls out Luke. He's like, "Bro, you haven't even read them. You're just yeah. so, you're just so affixed at the idea of just Page turners. They were not. Yeah, <laughs> he's so affixed to these ideas of um, these 
like Jedi follow these rules and Jedi, you know, do these things. Yeah, he's so concerned because the Jedi failed and he himself he himself failed following the Jedi rules. So yeah. he says the Jedi rules shouldn't shouldn't mm-hmm. matter. But Yoda's saying not that the rules don't yeah. matter, but he's saying the Jedi aren't just rules. Yeah. So to hold them to just such a to idolize them almost, put them on this um this pedestal is just really is the most detrimental thing really mm-hmm. that um have them but don't be Yeah. Don't be ruled by They're them. to glean knowledge from, not to worship, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. Yep. Um you have any final <laughs> thoughts about Revenge of I the Sith? I love Revenge of the Sith. Happy I birthday, could, I baby. I feel like I could talk about Last Jedi and how it connects with the overall Star Wars universe for hours. Just mm-hmm. because I think there's so much there that it's so unfortunate to me that people will just like turn a blind yeah. eye to it and not even like think about it, whether or not they like it or not. Like The stuff that's said, there's some really great stuff about the Jedi and the Force and what it means to fail, what it means to rise up against like your own failures. Yeah. I think there's a lot there, and it's just unfortunate to me that a lot of people just try to look past and that it, but. that's part of the mission here we're not you we don't have to love everything star wars but there's definitely something to appreciate to say that anything is completely terrible or to say something has zero flaws is just foolish you know um so we can just pick out the things we choose to appreciate and we take the good with the bad here on lando's mm. lounge <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um like yeah, we might love things that you hate, and you know we might not care for things. We might that not you care enjoy. for things that you really love, like Rise of Skywalker. I'm sure I could talk <laughs> a while about things that I didn't particularly enjoy in that. Although as a whole, I have a lot of fun watching that movie. Yeah. Even though I might not find uh, some of the choices the best, but I'll still talk about what I liked about the film, and I'll try to critique that mm-hmm. movie in a respectful way and not try to hate on it for and a reason certainly not try to hate on any of the actors or creatives behind it yeah <laughs> I, yeah i mean me saying i hate disney isn't gonna stop disney <laughs> from making star wars so there's no reason yeah to do that or anything but um we hope that you enjoyed our discussion of uh the revenge of the sith which was kind of a discussion of the clone wars and kind of mm-hmm. a discussion of the yeah. overall themes of star <laughs> wars we i feel like we got really really into deep territory here but i mean that's just the litmus test you know what this Hope, is gonna be uh, now other episodes uh i think what we might try to do is we'll try to do like different themed episodes um may hopefully once you finish rebels we can do yeah maybe an episode maybe a few episodes talking about rebels um maybe i think we might be able to do like just individual clone wars arc Mm -hmm. breakdowns maybe we'll just say all right we're going to talk about these four episodes in season five only and kind of uh, break them down and talk about them maybe we'll do that um obviously like uh mandalorian season two is coming out in october i believe so we'll talk about that um any news that comes out i feel like Star mm-hmm. Wars is at a point right now where it's the biggest maybe it's yeah. ever been in terms of output. You know, having a huge company in charge of it, they they put out books like multiple books every year. Yeah, basically, there's three coming out that are the start of a whole new era of Star Wars. 
um, called The High Republic, 200 years before the events of the prequels. Um, so Disney is expanding Star mm-hmm. Wars into places we never thought it would go, never even knew that it could go. Um, and there's so much coming out that there's, I feel like there's always going to be something to talk about, always news to break down, um, always something to dissect and connect mm-hmm. back to the Clone Wars somehow. <laughs> because that seems to be what we yeah, did this I episode. I feel like in the next... Hopefully we won't only talk about Yeah, Clone Wars. I mean, what do we have? We have an assortment of books. We have nine movies. Yeah, In I'm the direct trilogy, we have a couple a spinoffs. Of I feel like in the next ten years, we will have doubled the amount of Star Wars content... I don't... That's maybe come yeah, out up to if this you, point. If you count books and comic books, yeah, I feel like they're only getting yeah more and more popular as time goes on, the and, books. I mean, and new trilogies and new I'm movies not are comics, being so announced. Yeah. Do that, new but, trilogies, yeah. new movies are being announced. New shows slated, even. They just new announced shows. casting for Cassian Andor's show. They announced um, Taika Waititi's directing a Star Wars theatrical movie. Um, but they also announced at the same time as that that um, I believe is the showrunner for the show Russian Doll on Netflix is getting her is getting to showrun a live action Star Wars show. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been rumors of another animated show or two uh, <laughs> in the future, and I think the ending of Clone Wars has proved that animation is a viable route yeah. to take Star Wars. So hopefully, we'll see more Dave Filoni in. Uh, animation and in live action with Mandalorian. Um, hopefully we'll see uh, many more um, great Star Wars shows and movies and books and comic books and video games. I haven't played Fallen <laughs> Order yet, but I heard it was very Real. good. Uh, I don't We're play very do many video all. games in general. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we hope that you enjoyed this discussion. We hope you had a great time at Lando's Lounge. And... I guess we'll see you next episode. Yep, we're signing off. The intro music to this podcast is Star Wars Cantina Band, closed on Sunday Lo-Fi Remix. This podcast is for entertainment only. All opinions are our own. Our opinions are not reflective of Disney, Lucasfilm, or any copyright or trademark holders. All characters, films, books, games, sounds, trademarks, or other items related to Star Wars are owned by Disney or other copyright or trademark holders. We do not own Star Wars or any related material.